This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Wednesday, November 30th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. NASA's successful launch of the Artemis One mission looks like it will be a boon for private space companies. More than halfway over, the Orion spacecraft has already reached its max distance from the Earth of 270,000 miles. At least 22 companies specifically focused on the moon have raised money to travel there, develop tech to mine for resources, and even build habitats there. Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios, joins us for the coming moon economy. Next, middle-aged men have a problem with suicide. Overall, men have a suicide rate between three and four times higher than women. To fight this mental health problem, researchers are studying new approaches to get them help, which include participation in meaning-centered groups, hope kits, and videos on how men can speak with doctors about their suicidal thoughts. Andrea Peterson, reporter at the Wall Street Journal, joins us for what to know. Finally, insiders say that President Biden is gearing up to run for office again, and this week, we saw a preview of a possible campaign strategy. Advisors will want to keep the president out of every item in the news cycle, but keep up diplomatic engagements, quick trips to swing states, and ramp up the fundraising efforts. Hans Nichols, reporter at Axios, joins us for how Biden will run. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. So we've been getting some pretty incredible views back of the moon, of the Earth from Orion's perspective. And it's just, I think it's sort of heightening how real this kind of moon program has become just in the past couple of weeks. Joining us now is Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Miriam. Hi, thanks for having me. I wanted to get you back on to talk about the Artemis One mission a little bit more. We're a little more than halfway through the entire mission. On November 26th, Orion reached its maximum distance from the Earth, 270,000 miles. Uh, That's about 30,000 miles past the moon. It's been in this orbit right now for a little bit before it makes its way back. So, uh, Amiram, let's start off there, and then we'll talk about this kind of coming moon economy that this mission might be spurring. But as I said, let's first start off with where we are currently with the Artemis 1 mission. So right now, Artemis is farther than, you know, any spacecraft made for humans has ever been. I mean, there isn't a person on it right now, obviously, but they are, it seems to be an incredibly successful test mission so far. So we've been getting some pretty incredible views back of the moon, of the Earth from Orion's perspective. And it's just, I think it's sort of heightening how real this kind of moon program has become just in the past couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I did uh, take a look at those moon pictures right before uh, we did the interview, and I just incredibly detailed stuff. It looks really cool, a little eerie as well, but we're just getting some excellent shots of the moon right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as as someone who you know wasn't around for Apollo, it's pretty incredible to be able to see these kind of high def images taken from Orion and right. to think about what a landing might actually look like one day. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Put a you know a stop to all of those uh, the moon landing was fake type of thing. Right. It's going to be pretty amazing to get some that that high def uh, imagery again. Okay, so let's continue now to the coming moon economy, right? A a lot of private companies are looking to make their way to the moon. We're obviously going to, the ultimate goal is to put people on the moon again, and then uh, create some type of base there, whether in orbit or on the moon. And all of this is going to create jobs and a lot more interest in this. That's the hope. I mean, there are multiple companies now that are actually aiming for the moon and hoping to find customers there. And seeing Artemis be so successful so far has really been a boon for these companies. I think that they needed to see NASA actually succeed in launching an Artemis mission, in getting somewhere near and to the moon, in order to know that they're going to have a customer there. Because at first, most of the interest in the moon is going to be driven by governments. But it's possible that with enough interest and with enough companies aiming for it, you could end up having like a a little bit of an economy in lunar orbit and on the moon. Now, um, as part of the Artemis program, if you can uh, clarify for us a little bit, is one of the ultimate goals to have a a, like a a space station orbiting around the moon or is there going to be an actual presence on the uh, lunar surface? Well, it's a little bit of both, actually. So NASA has plans to create what they're calling the Lunar Gateway, which is a a small station that's really just used as a jumping off point from that gateway, from that station to the surface of the moon for astronauts. So basically, the idea is it's going to constantly be in orbit, and then you'll be able to fly missions down to the surface as needed. But the idea is that they're trying to create a sustained presence at the moon. So whereas Apollo was really a series of sort of one-off missions, this is going to be a holistic look at the moon and the program that they're creating. So Artemis is really the idea, at least for NASA, is to go back to the moon to stay, not just flags and and footprints. (laughs) Yeah, that'll be some really interesting stuff there. And then so as far as what we're seeing about interest in some of these companies right now, you mentioned in the article, there's about 22 companies specifically focused on the moon right now. They've raised a lot of funds from private resources and all that venture capital, all that stuff. And so a lot of them are working on getting to the moon. We're getting things like SpaceX, they're building a lander for the moon. And then uh, another interesting part, there could be some companies emerging about resource mining and then further beyond that, right, to the habitat building. Those are some interesting ones. What kind of resource mining would they be doing? Just minerals, rocks, things like that? Yeah. So one thing that NASA is is actually already has contracts with a couple of companies on is they are hoping for private companies to go basically collect moon dirt and then transfer ownership of that dirt to NASA. <laughs> so okay. basically NASA is hoping to kind of like pay other companies to do sort of their dirty work in some interesting ways. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, just more of like, it's literally kind of mining dirt. And another thing that, you know, could be, that's definitely more far in the future, but the hope is that, you know, if you can find water on the moon, ice, and you're able to mine it and turn it into a usable material, then you can actually create rocket fuel at the moon, which will allow you to fuel up spacecraft that could then get to Mars far more easily than if you had to launch them from Earth. So there's like an efficiency element to it, too. 
in all of this, right, the, the lunar economy that we're talking about, still very early in all the stages. I mean, we have to actually continue with the Artemis program. It's kind of paving that way, but we're a long way off from all of this kind of becoming very, very commonplace still. Absolutely. I mean, these are very early days. Like, this is an incredibly tiny portion of the space economy as a whole, even though, like you said, there are 22 companies that have actually raised outside funds. That's great. But when you look at the entire global space economy, I mean, it's like a fraction of a percentage that these companies are taking up. So it's really, really early days. It's very speculative. But the fact that Artemis launched, the fact that NASA is working on creating this presence at the moon that they want to sustain, that can only mean good things for these companies. Now it's kind of on them to find a way to make use of it. Miriam Kramer, space reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We know that people want to reach out. We know when they hit that fork in the road, some don't. Joining us now is Andrea Peterson, reporter at The Wall Street Journal and author of On Edge, A Journey Through Anxiety. Thanks for joining us, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about uh, what we're seeing right now with middle-aged men, older men. They're at greater risk for suicide, unfortunately, right now. And we're seeing researchers investigating new approaches to help fight that, help them uh, uh, get the help that they need. Um, What we're seeing is that in some cases, they can be as much as three or four times as high uh, as likely to commit suicide as women. So we're seeing that a lot in the numbers out there. So, Andrea, tell us a little bit more about the problem, and then we'll get into some of the solutions that researchers are working on. Right. I mean, as you mentioned, that men overall have a suicide rate between three and four times as high as women, and that's according to CDC data. And the group that has long been most at risk are middle-aged and older men. And there are many reasons for why this seems to be the case. One is that actually men tend to choose more lethal means. They most often use firearms when they actually attempt, when they attempt suicide. And they're also less likely than women to seek mental health help. Also, mental health issues like depression and anxiety, it can look different in men. They can look like irritability or anger or a drug or alcohol problem rather than the sort of more stereotypical worry and sadness. So what researchers say is that that often can lead men to be either undiagnosed or untreated for these conditions that raise the risk of suicide. Yeah. And, you know, that totally makes sense, right? They can come off as uh, just being jerks or something like that rather right. than uh, you noticing those typical depression signs, you know, regression and, you know, being lonely and, and, and just kind of keeping to yourself. So, yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. And just in the news, right, we just saw this recently happen with one of the former Power Rangers actors, Jason David Frank, committed suicide. You know, and I know that took a lot of people by storm a little bit, you know, especially uh, people in my age range when you grow up watching these things. So it's happening. Mm-hmm. It's happening out there. And, and, you know, so there's a lot of studies going on right now, which is good. And we're, um, uh, you know, researchers are trying to see how you can approach men, engage men in a different way so that they can get the help. So help us walk through some of those. Some of the things that people are doing is, you know, as you mentioned, you know, men are more or less likely to actually seek help if they are having issues. Another issue, not just seek help, but also even even talk to friends about how they're feeling. And actually, one of the reasons why men's risk tends to rise as they age is because loneliness and social isolation are risk factors, and men tend to become more socially isolated as they age. So one of the really interesting interventions that actually is, you know, addressing that isolation as well as 
trying to boost men's reasons for living is a researcher I talked to in Canada who has launched these meaning-centered groups for men. Um, And they're particularly targeted at, at men who are having trouble with the transition to retirement. And what they do is actually have men complete exercises such as they reflect on the positive impact they've made on others and imagine how they could keep contributing to their families and communities. And also, it's a group of men who meet together for 12 sessions, and they also are supportive of each other. And just having that camaraderie is really critical, too, the researcher told me. And what they found is that after 12 sessions of this, participants in these groups reported significantly higher scores on these measures of life satisfaction, psychological well-being, and also reductions in the symptoms of depression and thoughts of suicide. That's so that's now. one of the novel approaches that, that people are, are starting to undertake right now. One of the other ones that I found uh, that was interesting, obviously, that, uh, you know, when we talk about men, you know, there's a lot of pride going on there. There's a lot of baked in mm-hmm. macho societal norms and, and all that. Right. And there's one that's kind of aims to identify at risk men and um, encourage them to get help, you know, with uh, computer models and whatnot, but framing it in the form of right. taking charge. It's the right thing to do for you and your family. Hopefully you can encourage them through those means, you know, uh, kind of meeting them there at the middle, at least. So what these are actually researchers at the University of California, Davis, they developed a, like a, an interactive tablet based computer program for men to use actually in the waiting room while they're waiting for uh, already scheduled appointments with their primary care physicians. And what they did is these computer programs, they in developing them, they talked to a lot of men about mental health issues and particularly about suicidal thoughts. And what they found is that a lot of men said that they didn't even know, wouldn't even know how to bring it up with their doctor. They wouldn't even know what language to use. And so what they did is the researchers actually had videos showing men discussing these thoughts with their doctors to basically model how one might do that. And what they also did is they used language in the intervention that they thought would be more appealing. Actually, the research show would be more appealing to men instead because some men feel like reaching out for help is a sign of vulnerability or weakness. What they did is instead they reframed that as this is actually something that you're doing to take charge of yourself and your life. And like, as you said, to do the right thing for yourself and your family. So really kind of making it more about your own agency and your own, you know, your own sort of action to do something that's good for yourself and your family. And, you know, just as a reminder for anybody out there that are feeling these thoughts or or needs help, you know, the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline number now is 988. They simplified it uh, some months ago, so hopefully more people can remember that and get the help. So that number is 988 if you need help. Andrea Peterson, reporter at The Wall Street Journal and author of On Edge, A Journey Through Anxiety. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. 
Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We, we led the world. And because of the IBW and I got elected, we're going to lead it again. Joining us now is Hans Nichols, reporter at Axios. Thanks for joining us, Hans. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about uh, a little bit of politics and how what we're seeing with President Biden and a possible strategy for the White House for re-election. So President Biden, first off, has said, you know, he's going to probably make the decision over the holidays and maybe could announce something next year. We've already seen former President Trump announce and other GOP hopefuls possibly waiting in the wings to also run. So it'll be important to see what the president does next. And we're starting to see a little bit of an emergence, emerging strategy, possibly, because we know any legislative action is probably going to come to a standstill with a Republican House. So, Hans, tell us a little bit more about what we're seeing and how Biden will run. Well, first off, on the question of him running, most of his senior staff and people that talk to him and know him well think that he has kind of already made the decision to run. Mm-hmm. Now, he hasn't done it formally. He hasn't gotten buy-in from the entire family. But the White House is operating on the principle that Biden is going to run again. They need to start raising money. They need to start getting a formal campaign apparatus up. What we saw this week is kind of what the strategy could be. And what you saw them use, the majesty of the presidency, the sort of the surgical strikes that you're able to do with Air Force One, and then also not get involved in every single news cycle. And then maybe take the weekend off. And if the president does run the next two years, it's going to look a lot like this week, which is using the Rose Garden, using the West Wing. He's got a big state dinner to kind of emphasize his foreign policy bona fides. And, you know, he did a trip to Michigan, an important swing state. He just He's on the tarmac now, uh, about to fly back. And then, uh, you know, Friday, it looks like he's heading back up to Delaware. He may, he may dig, make another stop on Air Force One politically related, related there. So think of it as like the Rose Garden re-election strategy plus Air Force One making domestic and foreign trips. Yeah, and it'll be interesting, obviously, staying out of the news cycle, or at least every story in the news cycle could be an important one for him. You know, he's prone to verbal gaffes. He's admitted it himself. We see it all the time. Former President Trump has that tendency to get involved into every story. And when we saw uh, President Biden run the first time, you know, some people said, hey, they were accusing him of uh, hanging out in the basement. Obviously, COVID was a, a big thing going around. But he took that step back approach. And, you know, obviously, he has more things that is disposable since he is the president in the White House, all that. But it still seems like that's part of the, the campaign overall yeah. is to keep out of it a little. Yeah, look, the basement strategy worked. I mean, White House officials would say it was COVID related, but the basement strategy worked in the midterms. It wasn't quite the basement strategy, but you didn't see the president gas up Air Force One and fly to really competitive swing states. He did a big West Coast tour. Where he go? He went to Oregon and California, didn't go into Arizona, didn't go into Nevada, where there are these two big competitive Senate races, which the Democrats won. And the word that kind of I, the verb that I heard several times when I was reporting the story is that they feel validated. The White House feels that they were validated in their 2020 strategy. They certainly feel validated by the midterm strategy, even though they lost the House. The staff, the losses could have been much worse. And they just they feel like their approach is the right one. And it's not going to be to put the president out front 
every time. He's not going to be doing dozens of interviews, town halls. He's not going to be tweeting or subtweeting. They're going to try to keep him above the fray and, you know, use that commodity, which is a presidential visit at a presidential time, use it a little sparingly and use it preciously. Yeah, as you mentioned, right, uh, just coming out of the midterms, right, they they played up big, the Democrats at least did, played up big uh, women's reproductive rights and abortion and all that. And the losses they were expected to have during the midterm elections didn't really happen. And so this is one thing that they have kind of the wind at their back with, at least, even though they they sustained a lot of losses, right? It wasn't the big clapback that a lot of people thought. So they're going to uh, keep using that. The danger for the White House is that they won for reasons that they don't fully understand. And that they, yes, they did better, won maybe the wrong wrong verb, but they did better than expected and defied expectations in the 2022 midterms, but they might not quite know why. And I would suggest that, like, none of us really quite know why. None of us in Washington, none of us in Wall Street, none of us out there. I mean, everyone's got a theory, but no one quite knows why. And so if that's the case, they could be, you know, repeating what they did last time, thinking that it's genius, and it may not work. So that would be the big caveat I would sort of put brackets around like this this entire strategy. I think all of us in BC should get out of the predictions business. So I want to be very clear. I'm not making yeah. any predictions. Right. But like, you know, it's a version of generals always fighting the last war. And so and then generals maybe not, not knowing why they won the last war. Now, the White House would probably bristle at that because they had a theory of the case and they won. And they didn't win, but they, you know, they, they held the Senate. Maybe you're going to pick up a seat in the Senate and barely lost the House and defied historical expectations. So that's their mentality. And like, you know, we'll have to let voters decide in two years. Hans Nichols, reporter at Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.